We turn to God's word now and we'll join in Psalm 1, um, our psalm for the day, before we hear from God's word in Mark 1 and also Luke 5, even though that wasn't listed on your uh, bulletin if you picked one of those up. So Psalm 1 is on page 270. And we're going to read Psalm 1 responsively by half verse. So turn in your prayer books to Psalm 1 on page 270, and we'll read this by half verse. I'll read to the asterisk. Please respond with the indented. Blessed is the man who has not walked in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stood in the way of sinners, and has not sat in the seat of the scornful, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he will meditate day and night. And he shall be like a tree planted by the waterside that will bring forth his fruit in due season. His leaf also does not wither, and look, whatever he does, it shall prosper. As for the ungodly, it is not so with them, but they are like the chaff which the wind scatters away from the face of the earth. Therefore, the ungodly shall not be able to stand in the judgment, neither the sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. We now hear from God's word read from Mark chapter 1 and then Luke chapter 5. So Mark chapter 1 and Luke 5. Now after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying, The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Passing alongside the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and Andrew, the brother of Simon, passing the net into the sea, for they were fishermen. And Jesus said to them, Follow me, and I will make you become fishers of men. And immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on a little farther, he saw James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, who were in their boat mending the nets. And immediately he called them, and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. And now from Luke 5. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Genesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing, but at your word I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. 
from now on you'll be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So um, as we begin this morning, we are starting in a new sermon series in the life and letters of Peter. The apostle and disciple of Jesus will be in the Gospels and then in the book of Acts and then finish the summer with first and second Peter. Um, I sent out in an email to you all the, the imagery with the different passages and topics we're looking at. But this morning we're looking specifically at Peter's calling to begin following Jesus. If, uh, if you're a kid at home, you can go ahead and use the activity page that Tim Kirby sent out. Hopefully you had some time to look at the video earlier. Um, for the rest of you, open your Bible. If you have a Bible or if you have the app, turn to Mark 1 and then we'll be in uh, Luke 5 as well. Um, so here's the deal with Peter as we're thinking about Peter. Peter's one of the most famous disciples, right? But there's very little written about him. I went in search of books on Peter's life, not just commentaries on the Gospels, and there's not a lot written. It seems like especially Protestant churches have tried to avoid Peter for some reason. Um, and there's just not a ton written about him, even though he appears in all of the Gospels. He's a central character, almost a foil to the things that Jesus is doing in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and then the whole first half of the book of Acts. One of the things that's most encouraging about Peter and as followers of Christ, which is one of the reasons why we would want to learn more about him or, or look at his life, is that Peter fails miserably time and again. It's famously known for people who have talked about him that, that he was very bold, that he was the first to speak up, but he was also the first to stumble, the first to sink, one of the first to walk away from Jesus. And yet, the stories about Peter are recorded in scripture. We get these stories about his failures, which is part of the historical reliability of the gospels. Most ancient texts, when they were recording history, didn't record the, record the failures or the mistakes of their heroes. But the gospels do, including Peter, on whom the church is founded. He becomes one of the first leaders or bishops of the church, according to tradition. But even he failed miserably time and again, and it's recorded. And so we go to the Gospels to understand not, not Peter's faithfulness, but Jesus' faithfulness to Peter. And the way that Peter is transformed by Jesus and the Gospel, the, what Jesus does for him. That word gospel, we're going to be looking at the gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John over the coming weeks, but that word gospel is a key word because um, it's not just the books about Jesus. It's a term or phrase which in the New Testament means good news, right? And it was actually borrowed from Greek and Roman culture. A gospel was a message that was brought by a herald to a town or city when something major or big had happened in that community. So it would be a herald who would come into the city and say, we won the victory, that was gospel. Or um, the new emperor has been crowned, that was gospel. It was news, good news, that changed the life of the hearers for the better. And what we get in the gospels is Jesus begins by preaching the gospel. In Mark 1, we read, after John the Baptist was arrested, 
Jesus went into Galilee saying, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. The gospel that he's talking about is what he had come to do as Messiah and Lord. Now, the difference between religion and the gospel is religion is essentially advice, as one pastor put it. It's advice that tells you how you must live, what you must do, how to become a better person. Or if you wanna achieve the most in life, follow these rules. It's advice. The gospel is news. It's news that changes you. It's not what you must do, it's what has happened. And the gospel that Jesus is preaching is his own. It's what he has come to do. And it's news that changes everything for us. And it does for Peter, as we see in the verses that follow in Mark 1 and in the parallel story in Luke 5. So in Luke 5, we get Peter's calling and in Mark 1, in fact, all the gospels record the calling of Peter and those first disciples, Peter, James, John, and Andrew, the four fishermen and friends. And in the gospel of Luke, the calling involves Jesus doing a miracle with Peter. And the story goes some, somewhat like this, just to retell what we just had read for us, is Jesus is walking along the Sea of Galilee and there are some fishermen, Peter is one of them, uh, who are cleaning their nets. They've been fishing all night long. And Jesus begins by saying, hey, can I use your boat? Because there's a crowd here and I want to be able to preach the gospel to them, but they'll hear me better if we're in your boat. So Peter jumps into the boat and rows it out and has to use his masterful skill to keep it in place. And what Jesus is doing is acknowledging his need of Peter. He's bestowing honor on Peter by saying, I need you and have a purpose for you. And in a sense, he's elevating Peter. And so Peter likes that part. But after Jesus is done preaching, Jesus turns to, to Peter and says, put out a little bit deeper and let down your nets for a catch. And Peter hesitates. He says, Lord, we, we've been fishing all night. Now he, he knows Jesus is a rabbi and he respects his authority as a rabbi, but now Jesus is talking about something he's an expert on. Like, look, Jesus, I get it. Like John the Baptist, you've got a good message about what it is to be religious, about how to hear God's law and follow it. And I'm all for that. But we're talking about fishing now. And I've lived my whole life on this sea. I've fished my whole life. And I am the authority when it comes to these things. It's actually my identity. I am a fisherman. My authority is that I know the fish and this is my identity. The, when it comes to my career, my life story, I know it better than you. Now, in the ancient world, identity was something that was given to you. It was given to you based on your family and, and it was really bound up in your family name, your family history. Peter was probably a fisherman because his father was and his grandfather before that. And his career meant less to his identity than his family, where he was from, 
his clan, his nation, his ethnicity, if you would. His identity was bound up in his family. In the modern West, our identity is bound up in whatever we think, but actually what we find is it's bound up in our achievements and successes. And that's why our career, whether that's our academic career or our life career, our work career, ends up very, very often being the source of our identity. It's the things that we've achieved or accomplished on our own. So we can have our um, past family be far from them and not have us not have it bother us. But if our career gets taken out from under us, it shakes our identity. So here's Peter in the center of his identity, his family, his clan, his community, and his career, his vocation. This is everything he knows. And Jesus says, put out and drop the nets again. Peter reluctantly says yes. And according to verse six and seven of Luke five, he brings up such a large catch of fish that he has to call out John and James, the brothers, to bring their boat out so that they can get the net up. And even then the boats were sinking. They had never had this much fish is what we're meant to understand. And Peter responds with this phrase that doesn't seem like the right response. He says in verse eight of Luke five, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. You know, what's happening here in this event, in this miracle, is Jesus is confronting Peter and Peter's priorities at their deepest level. Peter is an expert on these things, fish, this Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is pushing into that and saying, Peter, I'm Lord of all the fish, of all the seas. And I want authority and priority over your life too. Peter is afraid, depart from me, I'm sinful. And Jesus says, has to assure him, do not be afraid. You know, what Peter is doing in that moment of depart from me, I'm sinful, is repenting. And the reason why Jesus has to say, don't be afraid, is because Peter recognizes he's not dealing with an average man. But there's another reason why repentance brings fear to most of us. To repent is to admit that you're wrong, and it's basically to give up control. When you repent, you're giving up control of your narrative, your reputation, all the things you base your life on. It's admitting that you have fallen short. It's handing over control to those that you're confessing to. And that's why most of us struggle with authentic repentance because we don't wanna lose power or control over our identity, our reputation. It's a fearful thing. Jesus says, do not be afraid because the authority that he brings is a different one than most authorities that we ever confront.
So Peter admits, I'm a sinful man, O Lord. Jesus is the authority on the fish and on the seas, maybe even on his life. And then we get the the story um, at the end of Luke 5, that it says, and when they, Peter or Simon and his brother Andrew and James and John had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed Jesus. In Mark 1, it gives it a little bit more clearly what they left. In Mark 1, it says that Simon and Andrew, they left their nets. They left their nets and their boat and followed Jesus. And James and John left their father and the men who they worked with. Now think about what they're leaving. Peter, James, John, Andrew, they're leaving everything to follow Jesus. As I said, in the modern world, we are very concerned about our career, our successes, our achievements. In the traditional or ancient world, it was your family. It was your community. It was your place. For us to say, I want, if Jesus said, I want you to leave your hometown, it would be easy for most of us. Or, hey, you're 18 now, I want you to go off and leave your mom and dad and your parents, pretty easy. In that ancient world, to leave your parents, to leave your family, to leave your friends and your community was unthinkable. On the other hand, um, they didn't bind up their entire identity and hopes in their career or vocation like we do. For Jesus to call us out of our career or out of our success trajectory or the things on which we evaluate our life is much more challenging. But Jesus calls them to follow and they leave their nets and their boat, their vocation, their career, and their father and the men they worked with, their family, their community. And the question is this, like the the average person who who reads a story like this, is is Jesus calling us to leave everything? If you're going to follow Jesus, you need to walk away from your career, your family. You know, I, I think in many ways what we get in the story of the disciples is often what is called in the Old Testament or is talked about in the Old Testament prophecies as an enacted parable. An enacted parable is when God enters into somebody's life and uses their life as a, as a message and an example, if you would, of living out the kingdom life that he has called us to. And so Hosea in the Old Testament marries an unfaithful wife and is, is called to stay with her. Uh, Jeremiah multiple times does actions that are prophetic of what God is going to do for Israel, um, for their unfaithfulness, and it's things that happen in his life and in his body. Isaiah has one of the worst enacted parables ever. He has to march around and live completely naked for a year in order to reveal Israel's sinfulness and humility. Peter just needs to leave his nets. And yet, that's not a small thing. What Jesus is doing here in asking them to follow and in them leaving in the Gospels recording this is saying in comparison, 
in comparison to other things, Jesus gets priority in your life. So often we think of following Jesus as, uh, as religion, honestly. It's if I follow Jesus, then good things will happen in my life. Or I'll follow you, Jesus, so long as my career's going okay and my family's together and my reputation is, is known and, and things are going well in my life. We're following Jesus to get something. It, he's not the goal. It's whatever it is that we're really wanting. You know, if I follow Jesus, good things will happen. If I pray, he'll answer. One of our worries about what Peter and James and John and Andrew do is they seem to do something that's a little radical for us. And we in the modern West get a little bit anxious about religious fanatics. And it looks like what Peter is doing here is sort of a religious fanatical thing. But one of the things to remember is there's a difference between religion and the gospel, right? Religion is basically advice, how to live your life. Religious fanatics are very often people who are very dedicated to religion in order to get or protect something. So even somebody who claims to be a Christian, but is fanatical about other things besides Christ, usually are using the name of Jesus or their Christianity in order to get the other thing. And so you'll use your Christian heritage or name or the name of Jesus and your fanaticism towards him to protect things that are really important to you, like your family's happiness or your public reputation or your political positions or your own happiness. But the difference is you're fanatical about something besides Jesus. And you're simply using his name or the position or power that that gives you in order to protect what you really care about. When you follow Jesus, he might call you into radical discipleship. In fact, he sort of does with everyone. But the difference is it's not your kids or your reputation or your success that you're serving anymore. It's Jesus. He becomes not only the priority, but the very goal of your life. Peter is just beginning to understand this. Jesus is coming to bring him to himself, to give him the gospel, and to create in Peter a new identity. And we get this just a little bit in our passage here and in one of the other parallel stories in John when it talks about his calling. Jesus says, come and follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Now, the irony, the beauty of that, of course, is from our modern perspective, we knew his identity. Simon Peter's identity was a fisherman. And Jesus says, yes, and you've been training your whole life for what I really have in store for you. All the work you've been doing is pointing to what I want to do in and through you. You are a fisherman. Now go fish for men and women. God has a plan for you and for me. 
where we find our identity in him, not in the things we've accomplished or achieved, not in our family name, not in our um, you know, country of origin, not in our politics, not in our pocketbook, but to find it in him. And when he calls us to himself, he gives us an identity, a way that he sees us that is so entwined in who we are that as we begin to understand it, we realize, oh, this is who I am. This is what I'm made for. Of course. Peter eventually realized, yes, of course. All that fishing, all that joy of fishing, the work of fishing, was to prepare me to be a fisher of men. And Simon, of course, also has another part to his identity, is Jesus renames him. Not in the passage in Luke 5 or Mark 1, but in John 1 it does, and in other parts, we're going to read this a little bit later, but Jesus says, you are Simon, but I will call you Peter, or Cephas, meaning rock. For on this rock I will build my church. God sees us differently than we see ourselves. We see ourselves how others see us. We see ourselves by thinking internally. We create this sense of who we are based on our achievements or our failures. Sometimes it's, it's the result of a sin or failure or struggle in our life. And we think that's who I am. That's all I'll ever be. Or it's how people have looked down on us and we don't ever think we can measure up. Or we have a sense of just self-confidence that's based on our achievements. I am the smart one. I am the talented one. Or I'm the one who went to this school. And Jesus is saying to Simon, as God says to all of us, don't sell yourself short. I have a vision for you, an identity and a name for you, out of which I want you to live. Simon, you are a rock. And of course, Simon looks nothing like a rock the rest of his life in the Gospels. But it's who God uniquely made him to be and was calling him to become. It's the sort of goal or vision he could never imagine for himself when he was the center of his identity and calling. But with Jesus at his center, he becomes who he is made to be. And that's where we're gonna end today as we start off. Christianity is not just advice on how to become a better person. And the gospel is not just about getting saved, although that's certainly a huge part of the the hope of the gospel. But it's that Jesus gives us his life so that we might have life. So we might become who we are made to be, the people God is calling us to be and the identity that he has for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, as you called Simon to follow you and renamed him Peter, so you call each of us to follow you to give up our our authority and our rights and let you be Lord in our life. And in following you to become the people you have made us to be, the children of God, fulfilling your calling and purpose in our life. So enable us to follow you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.